0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Amazing. How many people enjoyed Replenish? Come on, ladies. How many got down there? Amazing, amazing. And uh, next year will be amazing, and Amy will share a little bit more about that uh, later on in the service. Well, if we have met, my name's Mike, and it's a real privilege to be back here. Uh, we were... We were in church most Sundays um, in various places around the South Island, spent six weeks in the South Island, and uh, we had some amazing times, connected with some great people, but there is nothing like the place where you've planted your heart, and uh, coming home to where we belong, uh, was just so special. Um, I want to take a moment before I get into the Word, uh, just to acknowledge the incredible team, um, and I know Alan has already, but um, just the, the staff, the, the leadership, local leadership team, the, the dream team. Um, had so many reports back from the pastors that came up and ministered and, and shared the word, and, and they said the team was in good hands. In fact, Stephen Becks said to us last weekend, if the dividers don't come home, we'll be just fine up in Whangaday. So sorry to disappoint some of you, but we are back, and we are ready to get back into it again. But um, I want to give honor where honor's due, and there's one person in particular that's really stepped up, and I'm so proud of this guy, so proud of what he carries. And Jaden, where are you, mate? Where are you? Is he still? In- yeah, up the back there. Your leadership has just gone to a whole other level, uh, as we knew it would, and sometimes uh, when, you, when the stretch is put on, you find out what's really on somebody, and uh, I know we're all thrilled to see what God is doing, and we're not going to stop that growth, all right? We're going to keep making room for you to grow into all that God's got for you and uh, you as a couple, So, uh, but we're glad to be back, glad to be able to minister this morning, and part of, part of the... The opportunity, or, or I guess the gift we were given, was to be able to get out of the normal day-to-day life of, of, of leadership, and to be able to just stop and listen and read and, and and just I guess really just hear from God in a fresh new way. And um, one of the things that was really just speaking to me was the culture that we live in. And interesting, we had the culture shift as a series, but we live in a world where where it's all about our feelings and about me feeling good and about me making decisions that suit me and And are good for me. And what do we do with that? I guess was the question I was asking. What's my response as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus? What's my response to the culture of this world? And it's nothing new, is it? The 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 way we are, the way we find ourselves, where we find ourselves at the moment, it's been like this for centuries. In fact, Paul addressed that, and I want to I want to share from Romans chapter one to start this morning. Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 25, Paul's speaking to the church in Rome. Now, this letter, Romans, um, some would say is like the foundational teaching of the gospel. If you want to understand um, the, what salvation is and, and the, the process of baptism, read Romans. And Romans was probably a message that he would have delivered to all of the churches. But we're fortunate this is the, the letter that was recorded specifically Romans. A lot of the other letters were addressing issues within the church, not just the foundational teaching that we read in Romans. And so Paul is describing the world, and right from the first chapter, this is what he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, come on, there's some people that know of God, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator who was forever praised. Amen. Let me pray as we get into the Word this morning. God, I thank you that, Lord, any time our, uh, our world is out of alignment, Lord, we can come back to you and come back to your plumb line, the, the Word of God, which leads and guides us. And God, as we, we look at your Word today, as we look at the, the disciplines of a disciple, a follower of Jesus, Lord, would we be encouraged, Lord, not condemned, but encouraged and convicted to step in and to to begin to discipline our lives, to be able to follow after you wholeheartedly. Thank you, Jesus. You led by example. You don't ask us to do anything you didn't do yourself. And so, Lord, as we see the model of discipleship and the way you led, Lord, would we follow you wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, things are changing in society. Uh, there was a season, I believe, growing up eight, nine, ten years old. The church was well respected. Bible and schools was something that was welcomed in schools. The values, the teaching—it was something that teachers loved. They loved that Bible and school hour. It was like the kids were settled. The kids were, 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 were catching what you know what, what needed to be caught within their hearts. When someone spoke about the Bible, it wasn't it wasn't shunned. It wasn't pushed aside. When the church raised its voice on social issues, the, the society listened. Not so much today. We live in a world where the church raises its voice and it's told that it's bigoted, hypocritical. We, we live in a world now where, where truth is whatever I want it to be. The Bible, well, I don't, I don't take that as my authority. I don't believe it's even authentic. People don't even take the time to explore the Bible, even as a historical document, let alone the Word of God. They just, it's just easier to, to deal with my sin and deal with my stuff by dismissing God altogether. And this is a world that, that Paul was describing. This is the world that we are living in. And the, the church, in some ways, is coming under a little bit of persecution. And I, I kind of welcome that a little bit because the church has never failed when it's been persecuted. The church has only ever grown stronger when the pressure comes upon the church because Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so as we feel this pressure and this this pressure to conform to the ways of the world, we're not going to conform, but we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and follow Jesus wholeheartedly. We're going to contend for the faith as the Apostle Paul urged us to. Now, some of you may have noticed, how many people still read the newspaper? A few of you still read the newspaper? A few, okay. Some of you may have noticed that the Perceptions of Faith article has been removed from the paper for the last two weeks. It's under consideration at the moment as to whether or not the Christian values. We're talking 600 words in a paper. 600 words representing probably 10% of our community. Churchgoers would make up 10% of our community. 600 words is considered too narrow a view. The Christian values, too narrow. We've been invited as ministers to be able to comment on this, to send in our submissions, and maybe I'd encourage you to do the same if that's what you feel led to do. That this is what we, we need, the truth of God's word communicated in our newspaper. But I, I, I read one response from, from somebody saying, well, we should open it up to all faiths. We should allow all, all All religions to be able to, you know, let's let's go into the treasure trove of truth. I'm like, well, I've got a problem with that. Because there is only one way to God the Father, and it's through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. And so I gave my loving response to, to that response also. Because we need, our world needs the truth of the Bible. We live in a world desperately in need of a revelation of God's truth. Now, some of you may know that I am a, um, slightly passionate about a particular football club. Um, we didn't do so well last season. My boy was very disappointed. I said to him, don't worry, mate, you'll get another title in 30 years' time. Just got to be patient. Just got to be patient. But uh, strangely enough, my passion for football has come onto him like at another level than I ever had. And uh, while we're on sabbatical, we had the opportunity to go and have some pretty amazing footballing experiences. He went to a holiday program in and, and Blenheim. He um, played some football in Christchurch. And probably the greatest experiences w- w- was when we were in Christchurch. And we found out about this academy that was set up in Christchurch United Football Club. And I saw it online and called them up. And I said, look, I've got an eight-year-old who's passionate about football. Is it okay if he comes and kind of experiences um, you know, this football experience? And they said, yeah, come along. So Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, and Saturday, we were there, he was training like minus two degrees, um, out on this AstroTurf, it was like $20 million dropped into the stadium. I mean, stadium, artificial pitches, floodlights, academies, coaches, Russian billionaire, don't ask where the money comes from apparently, but we're thankful that it's here in New Zealand. And so, so JJ had one of the coaches, his name was Tony, 74 years old, absolutely lovely guy, and he's coaching these kids. And, and he says, I've been coaching in the centers of excellence for, for over 30 years. I was 10 years old going through the national um, centers of excellence. And he was one of the coaches back then. So he's 74 years old. And he says to JJ, right, here are the nine skills I want you to learn. And I want you to do it every day. I want you to do it hundreds and hundreds of times. I want you to touch the ball. I want you to step over the ball. I want you to move the ball. I want you to roll the ball. I want you to touch. And I want you to just, just get... Touch after touch after touch, repetition after repetition after repetition. Because when the pressure comes on in a game, when things aren't going so well, when, you don't, when you're not ready, the ball's going to come to you and you have to respond because you've instinctively trained your body to do so. That's the same with our discipleship. That's the same with our walk with God. When the pressure of the world comes and it's coming and we're feeling it and it's on us right now, what is our response? Do we panic? Do we throw our hands up in the air? Or do we respond instinctively with the disciplines of a disciple, a follower of Jesus? So this morning, I want to talk about three key disciplines of a follower of Jesus. We've got to train our bodies to combat what the world wants to present to us. This is the battle Paul writes about. This is a summary of that passage I just read, a world that doesn't glorify God. Come on. A world that doesn't give thanks to Him. There's no acknowledgement of God, His creation. Futile thinking and foolish hearts. Those that claim to be wise, woke, relevant. Come on. Exchanging the glory of the immortal God for images of humans and animals. Come on, idolatry in our world over people and things. Lives of sexual impurity. Exchanging the truth about God for a lie. Come on, my truth. I don't need God's truth. I'll just have my own truth worshiping and serving created things rather than the creator. This is the mindset. This is the spirit of the age that would seek to take our eyes off Jesus, to take our eyes off our creator. And I believe these three key disciplines need need to be something we commit to daily as believers. And in the Bible, we see that from the origin of creation, God established these three things and put authority over them. How do we know that? Well, we see three named archangels in the Bible, three named angels, and each of them held a key responsibility and a key focus for us as believers. Some of you may have heard of them, Lucifer, Gabriel, and Michael. They're kind of like your vice presidents, your, your captains in charge of a legion of army each, they able to kind of set God's plan in motion. They were the ones that were doing the work that God needed to happen. Well, the first I want to mention today is Lucifer. Lucifer was created like no other angel. The Bible says he was created as a musical instrument. He was a musical instrument. He was a worship instrument. And next week I want to unpack this because it's fascinating because if you know the Bible, you'll know that Lucifer got proud, wanted the worship and the glory that God was getting. God says, no, I'm not having any of that and he fell like lightning, he cast Satan out. Why, because no one gets in the way of the worship of God. But there's a reason that God didn't replace Lucifer, didn't replace this angel that had authority, and I wanna unpack that next week, so come back and uh, we'll have some fun around the whole area of worship. But these three thoughts, you're you're gonna hear them, and you go, yeah, I've heard these before. They seem a bit simple. Come on, can you give me something more complicated? Nope. Nope. Following Jesus is pretty simple. It's costly, but it's pretty simple. Here's my first thought. You can write this down. If you don't take notes, write it down anyway. Worship God daily. Come on, worship God daily. I don't know about you, but there are some battles I don't feel like I've got enough in me to fight. Some days you wake up and you go, this day just isn't going well. It started badly, it got worse in the middle, and it's not getting any better at the other end of it. And and my response can be just to crumple into the fetal position and just cry. Or it can be lifting my hands and worship and surrender to God. See, there's something about worship that that changes what's going on. See, See, I have my problem and my problem feels about this bigger, even bigger. But when I worship God, my worship magnifies God. Now, I don't make God bigger. He's already big. You know, we can't add to God. You know what I mean? But we can magnify him. We can make him bigger in our lives by our focus and our attention. When we give God our focus and our attention, he gets bigger. We see him for who he is. We go, wow, the glory of God. It's like the angels. Holy, holy. And they look up and they see the glory of God again. holy. You know, come on, that's our response in worship. And when we respond like that, that massive big problem we had, it doesn't quite seem as big anymore because it's all brought back into perspective. there be moments where I, I found myself flat on my face, horrible, just feeling sorry for myself, and I just turned to worship. Here's a good tip. You can't fall any further when you're flat on your face. (laughs) Not not a bad place to be every now and then. But I love this Psalm 121, 1 to 2. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Come on, he's the one who can help. He's the one if we set our eyes on, if we put our focus on him, there lies the answer. In those moments, I, I don't always get an answer, but my perspective shifts when I begin to worship and I give God all the glory. It takes the focus off me and onto him. See, worship is surrender. Worship should come at a cost. When we come here on a Sunday, when we worship together, it should cost us. Come on, we should, we should give out. You know, we, should, we should say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm not holding anything back. Come on, no hands in the pocket. Worship, please. Come on. Do I have to lift my hands? I'm like, well, can you? Would you? Should you? As your response to surrender to God, come on. I love the fact, honestly, we've been in some churches and there's some great churches out there. I love this place. (laughs) I love the heart for worship. I love the surrender that I see as I look across this place as people just surrendering their hearts and lives to God. But the first mention of worship sums up the heart of God for worship. When Abraham was asked to sacrifice his own son, the fulfillment of God's promise on an altar, Abraham has an opportunity to respond. To give away his only son was his, the son of the promise. This is what he says to his servants. Early the next morning he gets up. They travel for three days. They arrive at the foot of the hill. Genesis 22, five. This is what Abraham says. Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, first mention of worship in the Bible, and then we will come back to you. Worship meant something, someone will die. Something is given up. A price is paid. I, I don't understand, but there's something in his faith that says, then we will come back to you. Abraham knew he was going to have to sacrifice his son, but in faith there was something in him that said, you know what? But we're going to come back anyway. And that's what worship can look like. I'm gonna stand here and I'm gonna fight the battle by worshiping. I'm gonna stand and worship. I'm gonna kneel and worship. I'm gonna be flat on my face and worship. I don't know the outcome or the answer, but God, I'm gonna trust you and I'm gonna put you first. What about Paul and Silas chained up at midnight while well, everyone else is singing, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen? Yeah. Everyone moping or everyone a little sad. But they began to sing and proclaim the promise that was still yet to come. My chains are gone, I've been set free. Maybe they sung that first and then Matt Redman grabbed it later. I don't know. But I love the Psalm 34.1. I will bless the Lord on a Tuesday afternoon at 1 o'clock. No, no, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, worship. Is a lifestyle of constantly lifting up the name of Jesus, glorifying God the Father. Maybe this is a response you might need to make to deal with the things that you're facing. Worship God daily and at all times. Let's look at Jesus. Did he have a lifestyle of worship? Yes, he did. He would attend the Sabbath. He would go to the temple. Even though he saw issues within the temple, he was still there every Sabbath, worshiping God. Even on the night of his betrayal, when his mind could have been on a whole lot of other things, he goes to a hymn of praise with his disciples. Come on, worship was part of Jesus' lifestyle. It needs to be a part of ours as well. The second angel that we see mentioned is Gabriel. Every time Gabriel appears, he's bringing a message. Appears to a young girl called Mary. Says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to conceive a child which just wouldn't have made any sense because it had never happened before. And yet Mary says, okay, whatever you say, God, I trust you. And then she brings Jesus into the world as our Savior, as the Messiah. Gabriel also appears to Zechariah. Elizabeth was too old to have children, so the doctors would say. But, But when God brings a message, he can cut through anything that somebody else says with a new truth, a new reality. That's exactly what happened as John was born, but the message was brought by Gabriel. See, Gabriel represents the Word of God, the Word of God in our lives. My encouragement, my second encouragement this morning, to be a disciple of Christ, to to be living in the truth of of, of God, is to read the Bible daily. How many people like eating? I can see a few of you do. (laughs) I like eating, I ate a bit too much on sabbatical. <laughs> but I eat most days. In fact, a few times a day. Same with the Word of God. It's called our daily bread. Our daily bread, meaning we eat it daily. If, if, if this is your only Bible reading for the weekend, for the week, coming in here hearing the Word of God, I think you'll probably be malnourished. We need the Word of God every day need to get the Word of God in us because it's our life. John 1.1 1, 1 sums it up because if we love Jesus, come on, some people love Jesus. I'll ask the same question, do you love the Word? Because if you love Jesus, you love the Word. If you love the Word, you love Jesus because Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, John 1.1 1, 1 says, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word is the living Jesus. When we read the word of God, we are connecting with God himself. We can't survive in this world and contend with the spirit of this age if we don't know his word. You know, I, I feel like some are even getting confused because they don't know the word of God with some of the issues we're facing in society. But, I mean, here's one, for example, Genesis 1, So God created mankind in his own image. This is right off the bat. This is like the start of the creation. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Now, this doesn't mean we judge or we condemn. We open our doors wider than ever before. We embrace and, we, and we, we get involved in people's lives, but one of the things that we see with Jesus is he never shied away from the truth. When there, was a, when there was a lie or there was deception, he would always step in and bring the truth. When Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy, tempting him with, with food to eat, turn these stones into bread, you know, leap off the, 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 the temple and the angels will ca- catch you. Just bow down to me, and I'll I'll give you the kingdoms of the earth, given all these opportunities. And Jesus didn't have a clever comeback. Didn't try to be smart or clever. He simply said, it is written. That can be our response to the enemy. When he says this lie, when he speaks this lie about us or the situation, it is written. And this is what Jesus declared, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know, as Haley said last week, there is a culture that is all about my feelings. If it feels good for me, I'm going to live it that way. We need to stop having opinions, seriously. My opinions need to count a whole lot less, and the truth of God's word needs to happen, mean more to us. Yesterday, you know, I, I think the older I'm getting, the, the less important my opinion matters. You know, some, some people, the older they get, the more opinionated they get. I, I feel like I'm going the other way. I feel like it doesn't really matter whether I'm right or wrong. What matters to me is, are we biblically right? Are we living in his truth? Are we finding freedom in his truth? I got told off yesterday by an eight-year-old. How rude. So I'm coaching soccer. We're getting back in in the mix, and there's some new rules added to junior football to develop the game, and and the good rules, and so... uh, the ball gets thrown out by the goalkeeper, and JJ jumps in, smashes in the back of the net. I award the goal. Of course I do, because he did well. It was a great goal. And then this eight-year-old runs up to me, ref, ref. One of our players didn't touch it before the retreating line. I'm like, I didn't even know that was a rule. It wasn't there when I was in junior football, but he sounded so convinced. I said, right you are. No goal. I listened to him. I didn't dismiss him. He was right. I was wrong. Come on. We want to be on the side of what is right and righteous. We don't have to win an argument for an argument's sake. Come on. I used to be the one that would fight the fight and win the argument even when I knew I was wrong. Come on. Come on some males and some females. Oh, oh, really? Oh, is that true? Is that for real? <laughs> Come on. we got to be people of the word. We've been talking about worship being a daily practice, reading the word every day. And as the team come this morning, you know, the third one we see is Michael, the angel. Now, Michael appeared to Daniel 21 days after Daniel started praying for a breakthrough. And, And Michael says to Daniel, I heard your prayer on the first day. This is a word for somebody. God's heard your prayer. He says, but from the moment I heard that prayer, I got into battle with the Prince of Persia. I heard your prayer, but there was a spiritual battle that was going on as you were praying. Come on, sometimes we don't see the answers we've been singing about right when we thought we'd like it, but that doesn't mean things aren't happening. That doesn't mean that our prayer isn't going up and and being filled with the bowls with incense and the prayers, and and at the right time, we'll be released onto earth as an answer to prayer. We've got to be people of prayer. Our third thought, and I close with this, we need to pray continually. Here's a great three verses to learn. If you're going, I'd love to learn three consecutive verses. feel like I'm getting a hang of the Word. This is great. First two verses, two words each. This is good, eh? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. What does continual prayer look like? Well, Smith Wigglesworth, one of the fathers of the Pentecostal movement, once said this, I don't often spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. Come on, how good is that? What does that mean? It means as I walk from my office cubicle into the boardroom tomorrow to meet with the boss or meet with a client, And I don't know what to do. I say, God, you say, if any of us lacks wisdom, that we are to ask. So ask. Use that prayer, those 10 steps you have to take to get to the conference room to say, God, I need your help. Can I think there's some teachers here tomorrow that might get to period three. And you're kind of sick and tired of the kids. You quite like the day to be over. And you've got this respite of about two minutes before the next class comes in. And your response, pray continually, is, Holy Spirit, you said that I can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I need some love, joy, peace, patience. Come on, a couple of you on the road tomorrow. Bit of patience. Use that time to pray for the person that cut in on you. Hello. Pray continually. You see something you don't like, just, just take it to prayer. We complain way too much. Come on, we do. Let's be honest. We complain too much. We've got a rule now in our family, Amy and I. We're allowed, you know, when we're kind of griping about something, have you prayed about that? No, I've just complained. Come on, we should be at least praying more than we're complaining. How many people think that's a good house rule for all of us? Yep. Let's stop complaining. Let's take it a prayer. Come on, we can ask. You can ask that of me. If you hear me griping about something, you say, Mike, have you prayed about that? Can I do the same for you? Can we do the same for each other? That we would create a culture that says, come on, let's, let's not talk people down. Let's, let's, not, let's not turn into a big gossip thing. Let's turn into a place where, come on, let us, let us, you and I pray together and agree with God that righteousness would come into the situation. Yes, so good. Let's create that kind of a culture that com- combats the culture of the world. I reckon half the tension in our world could be removed if we would take it to God in prayer. There's a good hymn, good old hymn. How many people love that old hymn? Oh, yes. We just take it to God in prayer. You know, it's not going to surprise you that Jesus he was also a fan of prayer, wasn't he? He would get away early in the morning. The Bible says after the longest ministry day, it's like back-to-back ministry appointments, he's gone late into the night, and it says early the next morning, Jesus got up and he went and found a place to pray. Why? He wanted to connect to his Father. wanted to connect with his Father and connect with his will. We've got to pray continually. Find space, make space. Make it a part of our lifestyle. Everything we face, the peace, the answer, the wisdom we need is found in these daily disciplines of worshiping God, reading the Bible, and praying continually. When any of these practices start to drop in my life, guess what? The world gets in on me. I don't know what it's like for you, but I drop any one of those three practices and the world gets a little bit of a hold on me. And I don't like that much. So sometimes i just got to push back against the world by just practice my touches. Yeah? Practice my stepovers. Get in the Word. Get in worship. Pray. I don't know if you've met somebody who loves the Word, loves to pray, loves to worship. There's, 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 a, there's a couple of hundred people in this place that, that I know that I'm inspired by, and I look at them, they look a lot like Jesus to me. What happens when the storm of life comes? Because if you're not in a storm right now, you've probably just come out of one or you're about to go into one. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. What? But take heart, I've overcome the world, Jesus said. How do we overcome the world? Prayer, worship, and the Word. In our small groups this week, I encourage you, if you're not already in a small group, to get involved, get, get, get connected in a small group. We're going to be asking these questions. How are we going in these areas? You know, is this a strength or is this a weakness? Some will naturally, I, I mean, worship is easy for me. I just go there every chance I can. If I wasn't doing what I'm doing, I'd, I'd be up there playing the piano or singing or doing something. You know, I, I want to be there. That's, worship is a massive part of who I am. Sometimes I struggle in prayer. Maybe you can find somebody who's strong in another area to encourage you. Come on, that accountability that we find in a small group. We can build our lives on this foundation, a life of prayer, of worship, and the Word, and everything flows out of that. Our evangelism, our ministry to others, that all flows out of that solid foundation. I want to take a moment quickly to pray. If you find yourself in one of those three areas, just, you know, you've just lost the habit. You got out of the habit of doing one of those things, praying, worshiping, reading the word. Maybe we could just bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes, just as a moment between you and God. I'm not going to stand anybody up, but I'd love you to respond in faith. If that's you and you know God's saying right now, come on. No condemnation, no judgment. But I want to invite you into that place of prayer, of worship, and the Word this week. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? You're lifting it to God. That's awesome. That's awesome. Anyone else? Yeah, that's so good. Right across the place. Yeah, so many saying, yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. Like I said, no judgment, no condemnation. There's grace that is available right now. And God, I pray for every person that's acknowledged maybe one of those areas. Maybe all of them. We've just let slip. God, I pray that we would make space for you this week. We would make room in our lives to be able to worship you, to pray, to learn and understand and study your word. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, here today. Just as I close, I want to take one more opportunity to speak to those. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't even have a relationship with God. In fact, if you would ask me, my... My world is so far from God and the truth that you've been speaking about. What do I need to do? The Bible's very clear. The Bible is a love story of God's love for humanity. God created us to be in relationship with Him, but because of sin, of disobedience, sin entered the world and caused a separation, this distance between God and man. But God loved us so much. The Bible says that He gave His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sin so that we wouldn't have to pay for the sin which we should do. Instead, Jesus paid the price by dying on the cross for us. When he did that, he made a way for us to be right with God again. How do we receive this gift of salvation? The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we believe in our hearts that God raised him from death to life, we'll receive this gift of salvation. And maybe that's you today saying, I'm far from God, I feel far from God, but I know I need Him in my life. You don't have to know all the answers, but if you pray this prayer, surrender your life to Him, ask God to forgive you, you'll receive a gift of eternal life and a hope for your future. Would you pray this with me today? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love for me. Thank You that You sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I turn from my old way of living I ask you to forgive me, and I receive your gift of life today. In Jesus' name. Right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe returning to God, you've been away from Him, but today you're saying, I really mean this. God, I'm dedicating my life to you again. We want to get alongside you and support you. Would you do one brave thing? in these last moments. When I count to three, would you slip your hand up and say, yes, I prayed that prayer. I, need, I, I, I pray that prayer and I'm getting my life right with God again. Come on, right across this place. One, God loves you. Two, He's got an incredible plan for your life. Three, would you just slip your hand up right now? Say yes. Thank you, sir. Up at the back. It's amazing. So proud of you. Thank you, Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else this morning saying yes? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, you can you, put Father. your hand down now. Praise God. Come on, church. Let's celebrate lives getting right with God again. Love you. so proud of you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.